0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 143 of the Fanboy Podcast. This is Mario Francisco Robles, MFR, here with you, joined, of course,
1: by Mr. Brett Thomas Miro. In the words of the late, great David Bowie, let's dance.
0: Ah, All right, you came ready to dance, Brett. You got your dancing shoes on for this episode, do you?
1: They're always on. Thursday night, my dancing shoes are on.
0: Good. Good. Well, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. I feel like there's a lot to talk about. But one thing that I want to get into before we talk about anything is I want to I want to acknowledge one of our awesome listeners, Joey Misfit. Joey uh, listened to our great conversation we had last week about some of the differences between Batman and Superman and when they fight and all that kind of stuff. We had a whole conversation about why they shouldn't fight and uh he he gave he he tagged us in this awesome post and i want to read the quote it it contains an, an iconic Batman quote that i'm going to be reading for you right now it says it is a remarkable dichotomy in many ways clark is the most human of us all then he shoots fire from the skies and it is difficult not to think of him as a god and how fortunate we all are that it does not occur to him uh, Joey that was a great pull. That was a great pull and I just want to thank yeah, you for sending that line and 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 for uh, enjoying the show that in the way that you are you know got me thinking and it's the thing I was talking about today on the Twitter. I think Superman fans are just better, Brett. So that's why you've got to just get on the bandwagon officially. <laughs> I know I know you appreciate Superman more nowadays, but listen, Superman fans are a special breed of person, okay? And uh, I've actually been thinking about this for a while because I feel like the kind of people who get a lump in their throat just watching him be kind to a child or save someone amidst chaos, the kind of the kind of people who are moved by his selfless nature and his kindness, I feel like. If that speaks to you as a person inside, that says something for the way you treat humanity around you, for the way your uh, your outlook on the world. You know what I mean? If if you see Superman as boring and you're kind of – and you're over him and it's kind of – and you're, you you look at him through a cynical lens and all you think about, I don't oh, want do that. I think that says something about your nature too. You know, and I feel like – soup. go ahead, Brett. <laughs> you know want I'm to saying, say I'm, something?
1: I'm going to give you something just off the cuff here because – Oh, here we go. There's, there's one thing that I don't know if I've ever shared this with anybody, oh, but I, already. it might be yes. the root of why I've been slow on the uptake with Superman. And mm-hmm. I have, I have a past trauma. I have a past Ooh. trauma involving Superman. Um, it happened when I was very young. I was Ooh. maybe around two or three years old and right, I actually excited.
0: had, Let's hear this. Yeah.
1: I had a Superman action figure. And if, you remember? I don't know if they still make them like this, but back in the day, the action figures used to have a removable cape, and in the cape around the collar was like a little plastic piece. And me, a little C-shaped being, thing. Yeah. Me being just you know whatever, a little <laughs> idiot kid <laughs> um, would love to just chew on the capes all the time and chew on those. <laughs> and I almost oh, choked no. on the Superman cape once, so what? Superman almost killed me. <laughs> wow Wow. and to be fair to be fair it may have also happened with my batman action figure too (laughs) i don't know but for the sake of the story we're gonna say it was superman
0: (laughs) yeah for some reason you've held it against the last son of krypton ever since that doesn't seem
1: hardly fair at all that was a a trauma that i just remembered right now in the moment
0: (laughs) wow well you know i'm glad you survived Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad Superman's cape didn't murder you, Brett, and that we could be here today for episode 143.
1: I'm definitely uh, sure they stopped making those (laughs) because kids Yes, I've actually
0: got one a few feet away from me. I've got one of of those Superman toys in its package still with the removable cape. So listen, I'll pull it out and trick you with it. You got to be careful. (laughs) So listen, (laughs) uh, speaking of how nice Superman fans are, no, um, I wanted to share uh, a cool example of. Just the kindness that I've encountered while dealing with fellow Superman fans. So when I decided like a year and a half ago that I wanted to start Superman on film, one of the very first things I looked into was the Twitter handle. I'm like, you know, it would be very beneficial to the website to have Superman on film and. When I had tried something similar years past uh, related to my DJ business, I had a hard time because I found a guy who had the handle that I wanted, but he wanted to charge me like 500 bucks for it. Meanwhile, the the handle wasn't even really related to his company. He just liked the name, but he just wouldn't let me have it. So now I entered this exchange a little anxious. I found that there was someone with Superman on film and I messaged him. And we had a little bit of a back and forth and I was lucky that they actually knew me, that they, I guess, checked out podcasts or read some of my reports and they are like, you know, Mario, you've always been like fair and you've been even handed with your reports. And if you're going to make a website based on this, then yeah, you can have it. And the guy just gave me Superman on film and we did a swap and I want to thank him. George, um, you know, George from Krypton's Codex. Uh, I don't even know if you watch the show anymore. It's been a bit since we've, we've since we've spoken. But that to me, like that gesture, like that to me, was something that someone who loves superman would do it's just kind it's just selfless it's just you can use it more than i so go ahead and take it it wasn't now venmo me money for this twitter handle it was just an act of kindness and to me that was one of the first things along the way that i'm like yeah this superman on film journey is going to be uh pretty rewarding in a number of different ways because not only do i get to talk about my favorite hero Not only do I have to follow the movies as they start to enter production, and now I have years worth of, hopefully years worth of Superman movies to cover in the years to come, but I also get to interact with awesome Superman fans for the next several years, however many times, however long I do this. So I just wanted to just send a little appreciation out towards, towards George, towards people like Joey, towards all the listeners who've taken time to leave us kind remarks on Twitter, to write us reviews, to... Rate and review and share the podcast with their friends. We're really very blessed to have those of you and and who are supporting us and laying kindness on us. And it's it's very Superman of you guys to be so generous and awesome with your time and your spirit. So anyway, with that in mind, Brett, you are not gonna believe this. There actually is a Superman on film update, and it's not wow. listen. I know. And listen, I know today is April 1st. I know it is April Fool's Day, but I'm not fooling you, kiddo. Not a <laughs> trick. Actually, yeah, it's not a trick, I swear. I mean, I'm, some of this stuff that I'm going to be sharing with you, uh, are, 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 some of it falls into the outlandish rumor category. Uh, some of the others fall into things I find rather plausible and actually kind of interesting if we, and I want to unpack them with you a little bit, but I feel like before I can fully get into my Superman on film update, I think we should talk about Zack Snyder's big night at the Oscars last Sunday, because he won, not one, but two different fan vote, uh, categories. There was the oscars cheer moment, which went to army you know oscar cheers moment which went to the flash that awesome moment in zack snyder's justice league where he's able to like you know uh enter the speed force
1: and fix yeah, this reverse his time and yeah sure yeah
0: and then there was the oscars fan favorite which was army of the dead and uh listen you know regardless well actually let me ask you what do you think of uh, of those two honors being uh, bestowed upon Mr. Snyder last Sunday? What, when you heard about those, what was your gut response?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's at least like the one thing maybe the Oscars did that was like kind of in touch, even though there they were like some really big snubs this year were like mm-hmm. big films. But uh, I think yeah. it was cool that they had like a, a big like cheer moment. That's pretty that's a pretty cool thing. And, uh, you know, that they, that they even had these like fan votes. So really, really cool that they included those. I hope they maybe include more uh, things like that. But yeah, listen, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, Snyderverse fans or even, yeah, listen, they're not all Snyder fans. They could just be DC fans that really enjoyed the movie. Um, their ability to really, you know, make a fan impact and get their voice heard is uh, is mm-hmm. impressive. <laughs> it is. Um, and, and hopefully they did that in a, in a nice and constructive way. Uh, yeah, but I, I think mean, I this think could be the thing cool that they want tweeting yeah. the hashtag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To me, the I, whole I thing speaks cool thing. to his legion of fans. Yeah, uh, I think, I think, it, I, I think it says a lot about what they, what, what his fan base is able to do, especially when you consider that these movies were not these big um, mainstream hits. You know what I mean, like, I, I don't think, in, in, like in actuality, if we're being hundred percent honest, do we really think that a film that only ever streamed and came out one year ago? Got the biggest cheer of any movie in history. You know what I mean? It really right. deserves the biggest. because it, it wasn't even just you know for 2021. It was like in general. There were movie there, there were moments in there that weren't just from last year. And it's like the fact that that one won, it really just speaks to their ability to organize and do all that voting. And the same thing, Army of the Dead, I think it did pretty good on Netflix, but it wasn't some big, huge crossover smash. So are we really supposed to believe that that is the big uh, fan favorite of the year? Probably not. But again, it really does speak to Zack Snyder's fan base. And if, if those of you who participated... I mean, you kicked some ass and you got some things done for him. And I i was happy for him. You know, he posted something on Vero, just kind of like awesome. He couldn't believe that that had happened. And uh, yeah, listen, his fan base is hardcore. And they can be counted on, and it's funny. I saw a couple of them afterward, like start tweeting, like, "What else can we do next? Can we get? Can we uncancel some other shows? Can we uh, yeah, j- combine our powers to maybe get Hannibal back or get something else back? Because you know, apparently, we get stuff done." So, uh, listen, congratulations to Zack Snyder's fans. You got him a real special night at the Oscars. I'm feeling that was a real special reward for a guy who's had a few tough years there in the business and lost his daughter. And, you know, he's had a, a bit of a bumpy run these last five years. And I'm sure you guys gave him a big reason to smile last Sunday. And I'm about to give some of you a big reason to smile because. As it turns out, there are some very, very credible rumors that Zack Snyder's Justice League is now canon and will now soon be revealed to be canon within DC's on-film universe. And the rumor is, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because that's kind of a plot spoiler, so I'm not going to reveal how it supposedly happens or any other, how you know, the, the the machinations of that. But apparently, in the flesh there's going to be a very overt reference to the fact that the stuff happening in that continuity is still actively happening in one of the multiverses here in the DC universe. So before, while the people listening to that compose themselves, I'm going to ask you, Brett, to respond. Like, Did you ever imagine that this Snyder Cut uh, would actually end up becoming something that gets absorbed into the main continuity there?
1: No, I mean, for a while, it really <laughs> seemed like, you know, listen, we gave you the Snyder cut, like you have that, you got that piece of that vision. And, you know, that was like the goodbye. Now we're moving on. And we're gonna, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the things that are still around, like the Flash, like Aquaman, like Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman are gonna, you know, <laughs> still exist. But the actual mm-hmm. whole Justice League, you know, portion of that is kind of going to bye-bye and maybe going to be rebuilt. And now that it's showing this, Listen, the, the way that the, the everything we know so far about this Flash movie um, being some kind of crisis, Infinite Earths type deal, mm-hmm. this multiverse type deal, um, it, that's the movie that has the power to do that. And it's cool that it seems possibly now that that's going to be incorporated in there too, not just bringing mm-hmm. Michael Keaton back uh, as Batman and, and so on yeah. and so forth. So uh, I'm, I am A-OK with that. I think that yeah. makes a lot of people happy. I don't think it pulls away from their current plans. I really don't think it yeah. hurts anything. Um, and you know, listen, they they obviously see that you know this fa- you know the fan base. Uh, you know, I I don't want to keep saying like just Snyder fans because there are DC fans who very much, and I'm a DC fan who enjoyed. We talked about this what last week or yeah. two weeks ago. I enjoyed Justice League. And I enjoyed the yeah. Snyder cut of Justice League. To me, so, it was
0: the best of all his works. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was like the best thing <clears throat> well, as far as everything he's done. You know, up to that. So, with that said, I think that it's a really cool idea. They see that there's 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 definitely money to make there, and there is a rabid fan base for this stuff. So, I, I think it's a smart thing to do, especially as a movie studio. Um, Warner Brothers has been obviously messed a lot with Zack Snyder's stuff, and they've had a lot of yeah. you know shuffling around over the years. It's a great way to pay a little uh, homage and fan service. So hey, it, it sure. does not hurt anybody. It just makes people more happy. And uh, yeah, yeah, I hope like that's I hope that's enough for some people. And we see you know what that you know how that comes to bear fruit in the future. And yeah. we don't get impatient and start like berating people and start trying to push harder for more things like let's just let's just go for the ride let's be calm everybody let's just go for a nice calm boat ride down the river you know yeah yeah, yeah. and listen what i like about
0: it is it makes them not hypocrites because that was one of the things talking about the multiverse you know in the last year and a half there's been lots of lip service about the multiverse that's coming for dc and if they were just going to completely retcon all these other continuities and act and wipe them off the slate and act like they don't exist, then it's not really a multiverse, right? Then Then you're not allowing for those other things to still exist concurrently with what you're doing. You're basically saying, well, forget about all those, and this is all that matters now, you know? So people would point out like some multiverse if you're just going to completely wipe out big, huge portions of what's happened already. So the fact that they're going to acknowledge it means that this will be a true multiverse but let's unpack that a little bit too though because you know just because they're going to accept it as canon the likelihood that we'll actually get that jl two and three i you know i still have a hard time seeing how they make that work if they were to ever do it and again i don't think they would ever do it for the big screen i think their only real route to do it would be on HBO Max as like a proper follow-up to Zack Snyder's Justice League because that's essentially like an HBO Max exclusive. It's one of their or, or maybe series. a mini-series, you know. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that is the natural place to do it. But again, it's the same weird territory that we've always discussed where, you know, you have Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and Gal Gadot all moved on doing their own other movies. So now to have them come just to to do their own solos and then come here and be part of this, the rest of Snyder's arc, I have a hard time seeing how they would do that. So I feel like while the the, the Snyder cut is going to be absorbed into the canon, I feel like any Snyder verse stuff is going to be perhaps a little more off the beaten path. It'll be other stuff that's set in that timeline and that continuity that has that kind of feel perhaps but is it necessarily the completion of Zach's plan so that's the thing I wonder like will fans be uh, cool with that is, like if he's involved and he's creatively overseeing it but it's not exactly jl2 and three like will that be enough you know so i'm i'm curious about how that's going to play out if it's even going to sure. play out because, of course, there's people even saying, too, like, the thing that we're going to see in the flash could almost be construed as, like, just throwing them a bone. Like, it's just a way to say, like, listen, it happened, okay? It's still there with, right. uh, without any actual intentions of doing anything with it. You know? But that's the thing. I almost don't see how you can't. Because yeah. the, to me, that Oscar moment shined a lot of spotlight on this. There were people around the world – who suddenly saw that Zack Snyder's Justice League had been this big moment, right? And the numbers for the streaming on that internationally continue to be pretty doggone high. It was it did well for HBO Max and it's done well in a lot of international markets. So if you're Discovery or Warner Media, the new corporate owners, and there was just this big moment at the Oscars, you're trying to find a way to like how do I service that audience? There's clearly a very passionate audience for this stuff. So I feel like they're going to find a way to try and service them in some way, but I don't think it's going to be the thing that they're all dying for. So I think that's just going to be the interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I agree. And now specifically about our boy Superman and some of the strange rumors that are popping out now that the Flash is having test screenings. Uh, So one of the things that's making the rounds is this idea that <laughs> Zod kills Baby Kal-el before he ever comes to Earth, and therefore Supergirl is the only Kryptonian on Earth uh, for a portion of the movie? And then I think, and then they are apparently going to bring Michael Shannon Zod back and Feyora back, which we've discussed. But like, I'm I'm hearing further substantiations of that fact. So I'm like I can't believe it. So they're bringing back Zod and Feora, but they are they're seemingly having Supergirl be the one who deals with them. Okay? And mm-hmm. Supergirl, according to the rumor I've heard, comes from Michael Keaton's Earth. On his Earth, there was never a Superman. On Michael Keaton's Earth, Supergirl was always the only Kryptonian OK, so I'm just I'm, 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 I'm laying it all on you, Brad, all the weird things I've heard. OK, uh. so we have a Zod <laughs> who killed the baby Kal-El. We have a super girl from Keaton's world who doesn't know really anything of Kal. She's been the only Kryptonian. And then where things get interesting and I kind of want to discuss because I feel like it could mean something. You know, by the end of the film, there is kind of like a rejiggered main timeline, which I still don't exactly understand how they're going to pull that off. But there is like basically like a new continuity. This is how we know that we're going to have Ezra Miller's Flash in the same world as Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. and, And, you know, they're going to meld continuities. Right. So. Apparently, one of the interpretations for how they're going to handle this is. In this new continuity, there is a chance that there is a Cal, that there is a Clark, but he just hasn't revealed himself yet. That up to this point in this new version of the timeline, Supergirl got here first. She's the first superpowered Kryptonian that the world gets to know. But it's essentially sort of implied that somewhere out there, Clark is still to come. He's still to rise. He just hasn't revealed himself to the world yet. And maybe that's, and that's the thing that gets me in- intrigued. I'm like, if they're going to do that, I interpret it like they're preparing a reboot. They're trying to set the stage for a fresh Clark with none of the old baggage to be there. And they're going to put that baggage. On Supergirl, she's now the one who dealt with the events of Man of Steel and dealt with it perhaps in a different way. But she's going to be the one who kind of carries on that Man of Steel sort of you know, stuff that we saw happen between Zod and the, the attack on Metropolis. But Clark is going to basically have a fresh slate that when they introduce him, it's going to be after all that. A younger Clark, I suppose. So... There you have it. Let's unpack some of that, Brett. So <laughs> what, what, uh, where do we start? Uh, you want to talk about dead baby Superman? Uh, you know, <laughs> baby Superman. <laughs> so uh, how would you, I mean, that's the thing that drives me insane. I don't know how audiences would take that. But let me ask you, do you think that there's a chance that in The Flash, they're going to make it clear that Zod murdered baby kal
1: I mean, that is really dark. I mean, like when we say like dark, gritty and all that, you know, we throw all that superfluous crap around all the time. That is like the pinnacle.
0: That's the next level.
1: I I think – I don't think anyone wants to see that. I think there's a more creative way to somehow finagle whatever they want to do. And I I don't know. I think that's just going to like – you know not that you shouldn't do things because it'll make people angry yeah. but i think that's just going to anger a lot of people i i don't i don't get taking such a hard you know left turn to yeah. make this whole situation work um yeah. so that's my 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 piece on dead baby superman i, okay. I That seems like an unnecessary element. Let's find a more creative way to do that. You're dealing with a multiverse. You can pull so many different magical whatever is out of your ass to make this happen. We don't need to kill a baby. Well,
0: here's my, you know, trying to make sense of it, right? Trying to see, like, is there a way that this makes sense? Now, I don't think we're ever going to see Zod on Krypton just, you know, snapping some baby's neck, although that would be special uh i think it's going to be more so perhaps alluded to that you know how two times now in film history we've watched zod try to thwart jor-el we've watched people on krypton try to thwart jor-el from sending the rocket ship because they don't want him right they they don't want him to send kal-el off you know off planet. And specifically in Man of Steel, he's, like, attacking Jorel, attacking the fortress there, trying to stop that ship from going out. And he even sends a ship and they're shooting rockets at it, right? So I think it might be alluded to that, like, in this in this world, uh, Zod succeeded in stopping Jorel from doing that. But whoever sent, you know, Supergirl managed to get her out in time. So, and specifically, the re- the way I could sort of see myself accepting that is if, that is only on her Earth, on her version of Earth with Michael Keaton that happened. But once she crosses over into this new timeline, there's no longer that like dead cow. This is a new, you know, this is a new continuity. Right. And therefore we can kind of separate what happened on her Earth. Because You know, I guess these last two seasons of Superman and Lois getting used to multiverse stuff and like, oh, there's an alternate Lois Lane and there's an alternate Superman. And there, there are Earths where certain things are just different, right? So if they're going to somehow establish that on this specific Supergirl's Earth with Michael Keaton, Cal didn't survive the, uh, you know, Zod's attack on Earth, I mean, Z- Zod's attack back on Krypton, then as long as when she comes into the main continuity and whatever weird magic stuff they're doing to create this new timeline, uh, as long as that one doesn't have a dead Kal-El, you know, as long as that one, yes, she's the first Uh, Superpowered Kryptonian we've seen But there isn't a dead Clark to deal with And he still is out there somewhere I could kind of get behind that You know what I I mean?
1: Isn't it just easier, though, to make it that in Supergirl's continuity and in the in the Keaton continuity that there just wasn't a Kal-El at all instead of ha- – even – I never yeah. – but let me be clear. I was not thinking that they were going to show Zod <laughs> killing a baby. I was thinking along the same lines like they were just going to like prevent the, the pod from being sent off. But yeah. wouldn't it just be easier to just like not – like just in this, in this Krypton, there was no Kal-El yeah. or maybe Jor-El had a daughter instead. And it wasn't uh, a boy. You know, I don't know. That feels like just do that then because at least like whatever, it's a different continuity. That's okay. It could be some like weird, like totally like, you know, very different scenario. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I don't know. To me, it's still – I think it's just going to piss people off. And then then that doesn't stop you from having like in the new weird converged continuity from having like, you know – a Clark out there that's still kind of working in secret much like how yeah. we saw Henry in the like first half of Man of Steel where yeah. he was just kind of you know out yeah. there doing finding himself and doing things so like you could still make all that happen and yeah then it makes way for uh what seems likely that they are going to do some kind of a reboot, you know, or a reintroduction of the character with a new actor, you know?
0: And the good news is though, because of the delay and the fact that the flash is now coming out on my birthday, I'm going to always call it my birthday because it is June 23rd, 2023. Now that the flash is coming back on June 23rd, um, you know, we have what, 16 months, 15 months until then. And the fact that they're doing test screenings now means they have a lot of time to make tweaks. So let's say that they did include Dead Baby Kal-El then they are going down this weird path. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of feedback from the audience going don't do that. That's terrible. Yeah. You know, like please, you know and they have a lot of time to either reshoot things or cut certain things or streamline certain things, you know. So I feel like, you know, one nice, um, just one nice benefit this film has that's that stuff like justice league didn't get in 2017 is there's a lot of time to figure this out before it drops into theaters, you know? Um, So hopefully, you know, they they are able to work out those kinks or, or, or there's also the possibility that some of this stuff is completely off. Cause I've also spoken to someone who has gotten some tidbits from the test screenings and the only real Superman stuff that they had to report is that grace Randolph was right. In that the, we do see Henry, but it's from archival footage on a TV, but we don't actually get to spend any time with the guy in the story. And that was the only real Superman thing that he had to kind of, you know, pass along my way. So, you know, so there's a chance that a lot of this stuff just got completely came from some fakakta place and none of it happens. But uh, these are the rumors. This is what we have to work with in light of any official statements about an upcoming Superman movie. So just to sort of recap, there's a possibility of a dead baby Kal-El. Uh, it would take place in an alternate Earth. That, that That's the one where Supergirl comes from, and she's there with Michael Keaton. But then once they, brand, they come over here, it's sort of alluded to that, yes, yeah, she's the first Kryptonian on this new Earth, but there is a Superman out there who could reveal himself later on, which in my mind could be an interesting setup for a reboot to kind of rise up in that place. So there's a lot to chew on there. It might, most of it might be real. Most of it might be crap, but we had to talk about it. So um, there you go. So now, uh, Brett, how are you feeling? Is there anything on your mind now that I, I got to unload all of my Superman ness all over the beginning of this episode?
1: Yeah. So as a video game fan this week, Dealt a couple of blows. Ooh, a couple of real hard blows. All right. And uh, the first is that E3 2022 is officially canceled. Um, Both the physical show and what was going to be an attempt of doing some kind of digital show completely scrapped. They want to focus resources on bringing it back for 2023 in some new format. Now, that said, E3, I mean, this has been like one of the longest discussions in like video game, you know, uh, the industry for several years now is that E3's relevance was fading just with the Mm -hmm. advent of the way that companies can now just like Nintendo put out a Nintendo Direct or Sony uh, does these um, state of plays. So anytime they want to drop a bunch of information, they can just tweet out and say, hey, tomorrow at 6 p.m., be -hmm. there. We have an hour to show you all these games. Announcements can happen at any time. And really E3 in general was really more for networking and for the industry to get there and to see behind closed doors demos and yeah. all that and stuff. And eventually became almost like developers. a comic con, and I think they, they yeah. got over that. Yeah, They opened it to the fans, and, and then I heard it just got so crazy and crowded, and and that's what it was. So yeah. it, it was definitely dying. It needed some kind of a revamp, but it is sad nonetheless for me, I always used to call it like, you know, Christmas in June. For me, it was like you knew that there was always this one, you know, weekend, uh, almost a week, yeah. really, uh, every year where we were, were just getting get to what big announcement? What's going to get yeah. showed up? It was always the biggest announcements, and the biggest companies are going to be there. So yeah. it's, it saddens me in, in that respect because, you know, while I still believe that a lot of the big companies uh, will, uh, you know, have some kind of presence this summer, they will have like a showcase. It's hard mm-hmm. to say if they're all going to be like concentrated into one week, if they will try to coordinate that to keep that kind of feeling for the fans, or if they're just going to kind of do it when they feel damn well and ready. Uh, that said, we will have or uh, the return of Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest. He started this like a, I think like maybe like a few years ago, um, and he kind of did his own like you know E three adjacent uh you know broadcast and now that E3 is not going to be there uh he has the potential to make his show really big this year because last year we still had kind of like an E3 and he had some big announcements at his show but most of them were either most companies were saving it for their own showcase or for yeah. you know uh you know the E3 itself so now that we have that maybe his show is going to be even bigger and cooler to watch so yeah. hey let's wait and see and uh you know i have no doubt like we're going to see some cool stuff this summer i just think it's it's inevitable i think they still want to give the fans that and a lot of companies want to show off you know what they've been working on especially yeah we've had so many delays you know covid really wreaked havoc on the video game industry there mm-hmm. were games that we should have been seeing you know maybe a year ago maybe this year what a segue so the other blow <laughs> this year that i got Was that surprise? Surprise! The sequel, (laughs) still, we don't have a title. It's still called The Sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it has been delayed officially to spring 2023. So, we'll be waiting (sighs) another year for that game. Um, I feel like at this point, it it, it will come out in spring 2023. I don't think we're gonna get yet another delay. Um, they were aiming for this year, um, you know, and and uh, I'll, I'll get into it more, but uh, so the other day we got a little uh basically just was just revealed in a video tweeted out by the nintendo of america account we got series producer uh eg anuma uh sporting a very nice new short haircut it looked great he looked eg you look great um so he so he came out and you know the typical nintendo i love he just him standing in front of an entire black void yeah uh, just to let you know hey we know you're excited about this game but listen we're working real hard on it but it's not coming out you're gonna be excited for much longer you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, so uh, that said, I uh, was very uh, upset, but also expected it. And also it really got my my hype gears going and it got my my crazy aluminum foil hat on. And oh, here we go. Theori- the theories and the gears are going. So guys, we're going to have a Zelda update right now. And I went balls to the wall for this one. So I really hope you appreciate it. <laughs> So um, one of the first things I will begin with it's going to be a little it's kind of organized but a little over over the place. So the Bring first part on. I want to mention is in that uh, announcement that the game was delayed. Uh, they did give you know just a little you know kind of stuff we expected stuff we know about the title, but there was a nice interesting little tidbit in there that I want to read. So one of the one of the things he said was that the adventure in this sequel will take place not just on the gr- on the ground as in the previous game. But also the skies above, which we knew already. We knew that they were adding this element where you're going to be on these sky islands, and there's uh, like some kind of diving uh, from the, you know, the sky down to the ground, and like sh- also shooting back up into the sky. Cool little element. But he also said, however, the expanded world goes even beyond that. So that made me go. Okay, so this is not, you know, we, we knew going into this game that they were reusing the assets from the original game. It's going to be the same Hyrule map, but likely they were going to make huge sweeping changes to the map, alter terrain. Of course, like I mentioned, again, the, the islands now and this whole other like layer uh, that you can explore. But now that he said it goes even beyond that, I'm like, this game is going to be absolutely insane. I think they are really going to be changing things up. Quite a bit more than we originally expected, so I did a little. I brought a little show and tell tonight too. Oh, I can't so, wait. We're gonna go into some theories, guys. And this is actually <laughs> one of my theories. There are a lot of great, uh, a lot of great um, YouTubers uh, online that produce great Zelda content and and have been theorizing for years about this. So I don't watch all of them. I watch a couple of guys. They're really good. But this one, I I I, I think I could maybe credit myself with. Probably not. It's the internet. But anyway, this is a really awesome book. It's called Creating a Champion. Uh, so they released a series of Zelda books um, uh, a few years ago around the release of Breath of the Wild. So actually like five, six years ago. Wow, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> that, that much time went by already. Yeah. They did um, Hyrule Historia, um, Art and Artifacts, a Zelda encyclopedia, and then the final book companion piece was Creating a Champion. So this book is about twice the size of the other three books, and it is dedicated entirely just to Breath of the Wild um wow. it's, it's a really cool it's made by uh, actually yeah dark horse comics so i uh, you probably can still get a copy on amazon has concept art a lot of cool developer insight and a lot of uh, extra like detail and lore it's re- this is the stuff i love when you you read and we obviously we love that stuff with the comics and dc and stuff but this yeah. has a lot of really neat stuff in it um they really it's amazing to see like how much thought was put into this world <laughs> so um one little piece in there is that uh In uh, Breath of the Wild, there is a region of the world called uh, Akala, and on Akala is a citadel. And there actually is in here some cool background. Um, So famously in the lore of the game, that is where, uh, you know... uh, A hundred years prior to Link Awakening in the beginnings of Breath of the Wild, uh, the Hyrulean forces had their last stand against the attacking, you know, uh, Ganon-possessed guardians. And that was where the human resistance basically, like, fell. Yeah. (laughs) They were defending the Citadel. But there's a really cool uh, little tidbit in there I want to read. Akala Citadel's primary function was to repel invaders from across the sea and keep them from marching on central Hyrule. The batteries mm. were set up to annihilate an enemy coming from the sea. Um, now, based on the position of that on the map, it is to the east. Um, there is an ocean to the east, and you can't really go
0: you know, mm. into the ocean or past that yeah. in that
1: game. So that that's now it's my theory. So the theory here is that um, there will be another continent or area um, on the world map across the ocean east of Hyrule that we know from the first game. Uh, so that is my theory. That's a cool little, like deep, deep cut, but just a yeah. lore piece. I'm like, I think we're going to get not just a reimagined Hyrule, but maybe a whole new area to explore. Makes sense. It's a sequel. They're going to go big or go home. Now we're going to start getting <laughs> really in the weeds. So- <laughs> oh, I'm ready. So I wrote this out. So hopefully I don't sound too robotic. I just wanted to make sure my thoughts were organized. Yes. Uh, so in Breath of the Wild, the mysterious tribe, the Zoni, uh, were alluded to. Um, they're described as a warlike magic-using tribe. There are ruins and relics left behind, but there's actually no sign of the Zonai themselves. That is not a tribe or people that exist in the game world that you can meet or talk to. Um, So I believe that they're going to play a huge part in the sequel, and they're going to tie into this mysterious affliction that we see that has happened to Link's right arm in the initial Hmm. trailer. Um, Also, Ganondorf, who we... Pretty much, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but we're pretty sure that that weird, creepy body <laughs> in that catacombs is Ganondorf, um, and also the mysterious Sky Islands that we've seen in the trailers. Um, yeah. I don't believe the tribe just mysteriously vanished, um, but possibly they left Hyrule or were passed out and then settled on another continent to the east across the sea.
0: hmm right
1: my real big my big theory uh now one other really cool thing and i love that nintendo does this so while uh eiji Anuma was you know breaking all of our hearts they started playing some clips uh from the previous trailer that we've already seen but without any fanfare they snuck another brand new clip in there just to tease us uh, uh in here we get our best look yet at link uh his arm and the master sword which has seen better days. Uh, so mm. the sword is missing about half of its blade and what remains looks decayed or corrupted. Um, Link is also standing in front of a ball of glowing golden light and has a similar light emitting from the back of his right hand, which is actually the one that is now basically black has long fingernails and all these bracelets. And it seems to be like encroaching into his chest area. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's poisoned or something possibly. Um, this may hint that we're going to be spending the game trying to restore the sword or forge a new weapon from the remnants of the master sword. So that is my theory that what this journey is really going to be about. Um, now, I w- if, if I can, I would like to just go on a couple of uh, other musings that I've had. Uh, <laughs> Muse away! So one of them, uh, this I can't take credit for this one. Uh, I saw uh, um, a gif on Twitter. So whoever made this gif. Great catch. Um, Link's arm looks very eerily similar to the what I like to call the dehydrated Crypt Keeper Ganondorf. <laughs> um, so we do see a shot from in the initial trailer. And uh, someone put a side-by-side shot of Ganon's arm um, and next to Link's arm. Um, so maybe Link is actually corrupted by Malice or Ganon. Um, rather than what I think a lot of people initially thought was that he's being fused with this like mysterious glowing hand that seemed to be holding Ganon's body at bay in the initial reveal. So it, it could be like a benevolent, you know, uh, you know, uh, invasion in his arm, or it actually could be something where he's fighting back like some kind of like infection or corruption. Um, another cool little theory um, and again, I can't take credit for this one. this is from uh, Tristan over at Game Explain, which is a really awesome channel. I've followed them for many years. They do great you know analysis of uh, Nintendo stuff. but uh, link may actually be the hero alluded to from 10,000 years ago before uh, it, 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 uh, I'm sorry from 10,000 years before in Breath of the Wild's lore that took place before the events of the game. I think possibly, well, he thinks that I agree with him through some time travel trickery and predestination. Maybe he is sent back in time in this game and is that hero from the ancient past. Hmm. Um, Link's look in this trailer, the longer hair, the new more like ancient Greek Roman looking armor sets that we've seen in the trailers certainly support that. Um, it could just be cosmetic though, as there were armor sets in breath of the wild that switched up the look of his hair. Yeah. So, uh, now moving on, uh, While Skyward Sword was the only remaining 3D Zelda that did not get the HD remaster treatment yet, barring the handheld titles, I don't think it's a coincidence that they released that last year. I very much believe that's Nintendo's way of saying, you may want to familiarize yourself with this game and story, um, especially with the inclusion of the Sky Islands and the very familiar look of Link diving through the air. Uh, This is the Zelda team getting to fully realize what they wanted to do with Skyward Sword, but were hamstrung by the power and memory constraints of the Wii uh next um while breath of the wild focused heavily on breaking the conventions of the series mainly gameplay wise the sequel may be looking to further that and break the conventions story-wise by ending ganon once and for all and breaking the curse cycle that was established in skyward sword upon defeating demise this would free the series to really explore new territory in future installments and finally no, I don't believe there's any development trouble. I've been seeing this all over the internet. Oh, delayed again. Every Zelda game, literally every yeah. Zelda game, has been delayed one to two times from their original planned release window. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've stated this before on the podcast the pandemic was particularly disruptive to nintendo yeah. as far as adapting to work from home and it slowed down communication and development they also uh for the first game had a team of like over 300 people and working across multiple studios even studios outside of, of nintendo's internal teams so you just put all that together it's not gonna make things run on time yeah uh, also the zelda team is known for always trying something new with each zelda title Because of that, sometimes it's hard to gauge when they are done, especially as more and more new ideas get thrown into the mix and they decide to incorporate them. So if anything, fans should be very excited because this sequel will be more than just a glorified DLC that reuses assets. I believe this game will really shake up the formula from Breath of the Wild and give us wild new physics and ways to interact with the game world. I have spoken. I dig it.
0: Honestly, the thing that I'm most intrigued by is the way like, yeah, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, but by incorporating the Sky Islands, right? And if there is any kind of ocean faring stuff. It's almost like bringing Wind Waker into the mix. It's yeah. like bringing all the different kinds of landscapes we've explored as Link in these 3D games kind of together in a way, right? Because we've done the land stuff in most right. of the games, right? But we're if we're adding sky and sea, it's like, you know, it,
1: it kind of brings the whole thing together. And so, don't forget, in Breath of the Wild, we, we did not have any underwater exploration, which has yeah. been in most of the other Zelda games but yeah. this one you were only able to swim on the surface so yeah. there's a lot of places we can go here we'll be going underground into caves into the water into the sky into another continent this yeah. game is going to be incredible do not worry there's not development trouble i think this team is just going balls to the wall they have to they have to surpass arguably the greatest video game ever made <laughs> it is i think still in the top 3 highest rated games of all time on like you know metacritic and stuff yeah. um, along with like ocarina of time <laughs> with another zelda game and i think a mario game so nintendo yeah. owns that although elden ring might have crept in there now yeah hey, um it, it it definitely took a lot of inspiration from breath of the wild so guys i'm excited i'm sad but it's going to be a good game it's gonna be something special
0: and what do you think of the rumor brett that it's uh the zelda's going cosmic
1: no i'm kidding <laughs> you know what maybe it will i mean maybe it, it it's will going into the sky it's close enough it's going into the go. Go, Yeah.
0: <laughs> May as well. You're halfway there, um, but okay. So now we're going to steer things back over into some interesting movie news this week. Uh, DC's Blue Beetle seems to have added to its formidable cast. Uh, the rumor has it. Uh, the rumor goes that Sharon Stone, of Basic Instinct fame and things like Catwoman, uh, but we're going to stick with Basic Instinct. Uh, Sharon Stone is, uh, according to the rap, is in final talks to play the villain in the upcoming Blue Beetle movie. Stone will play Victoria Cord, who is said to be a new character created for the movie. Because that, that always goes over great. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what, like. Isn't that a great idea in your in your origin story? Let' why pull a character from the lore. Let's just make a new one. Why not use
1: all the great stuff that's already been established by all these wonderful comic book writers over the years? Let's just make a new character. Let's make a new person. There's an interesting wrinkle to this one, at least. Yeah, that's, a little easier to swallow. So,
0: yes, the last name is intriguing. If, if it's true that she's playing Victoria Cord, that Cord surname is intriguing because while Jolo Mariduena from Cobra Kai is going to be playing our our titular Blue Beetle, uh, you know, his Jamie Reyes is actually the third person to take up the mantle. The second person, well, I'll say them all. There's Dan Garrett. And there's Ted Cord, Cord, just like Sharon Stone's apparent character, Victoria Cord. So it is going to be interesting to see if somehow maybe she ties in to a previous version of the Blue Beetle. I guess that, you know, more will be revealed. But uh, so, you know, and this is a cast that already includes uh, George Lopez and, uh, you know, a number of other interesting, pretty good, you know, Latin uh, character actors and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. How does this news strike you? Sharon Stone joining Blue Beetle. Was that the thing? Was that the magic thing that got you interested in this project, Brett?
1: That That's what I was waiting for. You said Blue Beetle. I said, no, thanks. You said Sharon Stone. I said, I'm in. <laughs> um, listen, Sharon Stone, great actress. When she shows up in movies, she brings it. Um, so, you know, nice, nice to add to the pedigree of the film. Um, it's nice to have a female villain. Uh, so that's kind of cool, too. But it doesn't necessarily get me more excited. It's not even that I have a, I don't have a problem with Blue Beetle. I just don't know much about the character. Yeah. Um, it's never a character I've been invested in. So, you know, this for me, uh, I will, will I see the movie when it comes out, most likely, uh, but it, it's going to have to do a lot, you know, for me, it's going to have to really bring me into that world and really grab me. Um, yep. Otherwise, it's going to just be a, a meh for me. So yeah, Blue
0: Beetle. he has got to work harder characters.
1: for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's one of those movies that like, it's one of those characters I really know very little about. I think my 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 biggest exposure to Blue Beetle was the the bit part he plays in the Death of Superman comics. Uh, so I really, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the character, but I do, I'm a big fan of Maridueña, you know, the, the main character from Cobra Kai. And I'm digging the fact that DC is going to give us a Latino superhero so you know i'll keep an eye out i'll see the trailers but it's not a character that i have like a, oh there's a blue beetle thing coming i don't
1: have any of that yeah.
0: association with them
1: but i think the me. general audiences are, are probably like us and that yeah. they probably don't know the character too well um yeah. so yeah it's it, it's gonna have to work that much harder um yeah that might work you know, it's head. got an uphill an uphill battle but it can it can be done it can be it done can be done it
0: can be done. Um, but, yeah, so I hear that there's this uh, game called Tunic you want to talk to me about, Brett?
1: Yes. So um, this is um, – it's a it's a new game. just came out. Yes. It's been in development for quite a while. I think it was revealed like five, six years ago. People were playing like little demos of it um, made by a very small team. So I'll give you the quick uh, overview. So it is – basically a homage to a link to the past uh from super Mm. nintendo so it's a what they call like an isometric view so it's not top down it's kind of like if you're looking at a diorama you're looking at it from like a 45 degree angle Um, okay so uh, it has but it's so it's 3d but it has like that kind of angle but the gameplay is very much and look um even down to the main character which is a cute little fox that has a green tunic on um (laughs) and you get a sword and a shield like you look like link oh but um okay there's so th- th- that's the kind of the the general you know yeah you go around you fight enemies there's like little dungeons you get treasures it's it's basically got the zelda formula now the cool twist though um is with that isometric view they're able to play a, a lot with um 3D space and secrets so there are little secrets and hidden entrances and and things all around uh hidden behind walls and around corners areas that just, like look suspicious and you keep walking and then you can get behind stuff so it's really fun for exploring it really brings that oh, that's right and, up my alley because I, I i always look for the secrets my whole thing, yeah so man you would the story. love this yeah um that said it is also very very hard <laughs> um it's extremely challenging for a game where you're just basically slashing a sword and you have like some little items and magic items and shields here but basically um i don't play these games often but a lot of people have kind of given um compared it to dark souls um you do actually have a stamina meter so when you're doing things like blocking or evading that uses your stamina if you Mm -hmm. use all your stamina it puts you in a pretty uh wide open state where you actually take 1.5 damage um and uh so it's it's combat becomes more than just let us just try to slash the enemy you really have to like not get greedy, time your attacks, do a lot of dodging. So it makes it very interesting from that point. Now, the really cool thing, the biggest, neatest, most awesome thing about this game uh, is that the entire game is not in English. In fact, anything signs you come across, any characters you talk to, are actually text boxes pop up, but it is in a language that is made up and basically just looks like weird glyphs and you might say well what the hell is that all about why would i want to do this so the really cool mechanic is that throughout the game world you will find little little white glowing pages and when you collect them they are actually pages to an in-game instruction booklet that (laughs) looks like an old school nes legend of zelda hand-drawn instruction booklet complete Com- nice. with little notes scribbled on it as if you rented it from Blockbuster and you got like <laughs> an instruction booklet and someone scribbled it. That's notes pretty cool, yeah. So it is, so, and actually the instruction booklet is also written in this weird language that you can't understand. So you're basically relying on images and there are a few spots where there's English and it'll say like hit points or stamina yeah. or like this thing is bad. <laughs> this will work. <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's little hints like that. But basically, you're finding these pages, and that is cluing you in on where to go, how to get certain items, um, and how to you know complete the game. And yeah. it is the most rewarding experience I think I've had playing a game in I don't know how long. Uh, wow, that's a big sale a while, right there. Like six years ago. Um, yeah. so it has all the nostalgia. It's cute as hell, charming. It's just very delightful. The music is. Awesome, and you can actually get the music on uh, Apple Music, and I oh. think Steam, they have like, it's a soundtrack, and I think there's like 60 tracks on it. So, pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this game is is tremendous. Right now, it is an Xbox exclusive. Um, they paid to get like some exclusivity on Game Pass. So that's the good news, is if you are an Xbox Game Pass subscriber, you can download and play this game for free right now. It's yeah. not incredibly long. I wanna say it's um, depending, you know, how lost you get and how much of an explorer you are probably anywhere from like 10 to 15 hours long maybe okay. more than 10 to 12 is kind of i think that's probably where i'm at right now and i'm not at, I'm at the final boss i haven't beat it yep. yet and there's definitely some secrets and little things that i have not found yet but yeah there, there's a there's a grand mystery too, uh like special secret um it's amazing. Like it, you'll be so amazed that you think you're stuck, and then you'll look in the instruction booklet, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, the answer was there the whole time. If I just looked a little deeper." And it is so fun getting those pages, and then looking and getting that little hint, and going, "Oh, you know what? Maybe I need to go to the east now." And it's it's just those little moments like that that are so rewarding. And you get there, and you find the item, and you beat the boss. Um, I have had so much fun with this game. It is a real delight. So like I just I needed to talk about it because. I, I love it. And it, it very much, it feels like a Nintendo game. You yeah. know, it has that Nintendo quality, but like that old school Nintendo, like quality from like Super Nintendo. And yeah. it, uh, it just hits, it hits all the right notes. So uh, please, you know, if you have a chance, check it out. Um, after the exclusivity, ex- exclusivity for Xbox, I don't know how long that's going to be. I feel like it's probably going to be like, maybe like a three to six month thing. I don't think it'll be like a full year. I fully expect this to get released for like, um, it's probably on pc right now too but i fully expect it to come to playstation and i don't see why they can't uh make it come out for switch um yeah. I, it probably won't run in 4k on switch but I, they can definitely make it work because it is a more stylized art style but oh mm-hmm. boy what, what what a treat so um definitely check well, it out tunic on xbox speaking game Pass. of
0: nostalgic old school treats uh... Yes. some kind of sad news came up this week about an old school favorite actor of mine growing up. Uh, yeah. None other than Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, our boy, John McClane himself is retiring from acting at the ripe old age of 67 years old he's developed a medical condition that's been gradually getting worse it it messes with his cognitive abilities aphasia and his yeah. ability yeah aphasia and it it, it prevents him from being able being able to communicate properly
1: and it's making it harder and harder obviously for him to do what he does as an yeah, actor understand speech too actually I yeah think it's harder to speak and harder to understand speech specifically yeah um, which is like heartbreaking honestly
0: yeah and he's stepping stepping. away he's stepping away from acting and yeah that's a big one for me because growing up like my big heroes growing up in the 90s you know you had you know van damme schwarzenegger stallone and willis like they were like my action heroes you know and and willis i remember like and i still remember when they launched planet hollywood like that was a restaurant that i had to go to all the time because like these are the the coolest men in the world own this place who knows if I, I'm sure if I went back, it was all just like a licensing deal and they had nothing to do with it. But you know, 10 year old me was all about that life. But yeah, Bruce, you know, I, I grew up watching his stuff. I love the diehard movies. I, 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 I learned how to rip movies apart by listening to my father and uncle and grandfather rip apart Hudson Hawk with him and Danny Aiello. If you've ever seen that, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen him in such a variety of things like Death Becomes Her uh I, I, you know he, to me he he d- deserves a lot of credit for being a bit of a shapeshifter. You know, people just yeah. look at him as the guy who delivers the one liners and blows stuff up but he's actually had a pretty varied career and he has pushed himself at times but yeah in the last 10 15 years he's just kind of rested back on the old paycheck you know doing the old you know uh
1: but Mr. I want one-liner. to mention Go ahead. I want to mention that um, it kind of puts the last several years in context. Um, I think this disease was probably rearing its head. And yeah. I think he was doing gigs where he could get, um, you know, a quick buck, load up yeah. his bank account, you know, to help, so he could take care of his family and, you know, maybe like any medical, you know, help he needs. And, yeah. uh, you know, things where he could just come on and, and shoot for like a week or two and then yeah. be out of there. Collect his one, two million move on to the mm-hmm. next one so because i remember well, makes sense. he's been a bit of a butt of a joke you know all the straight to dvd films people comparing him to nicholas cage yeah. and you know who was doing all these dvd films uh like mel gibson and stuff like that yeah. but now you look at it and you go it- it's sad oh. now. And I-, I hope people are uh i hope people that were maybe picking on him like kind of see that and maybe backpedal a little bit and mm-hmm. i hope people aren't gonna use this time to like really like yeah i know kevin
0: smith completely like rescinded a beef that they've had yeah that was actually
1: really classy yeah you
0: know it's it's uh either way i just you know i wish i wish mr willis well uh that was a that was a a blow to get this you know this week and uh, let me ask you before we wrap on bruce um what was your favorite bruce willis movie
1: yeah so I mean, that's a tough one i like so many good Bruce Willis films. i mean I, I i know it's it's the easy thing to go for like one of his action films but yeah. i mean the sixth sense man like just that uh, film like left such an impression on me it blew my mind and yeah. i do want to throw out just kind of like one of my like little like prized possessions yeah i have a dvd copy of uh Bruce Willis. It's a, a a taping of a live theater performance of Bruce Willis performing True West by Sam Shepard. Um, it was on Showtime some years ago, and I have like a bootleg DVD of it, and um, I love it. He's really good in it. <laughs> That's, I mean, all
0: right. Yeah, you know, honestly, I was gonna say that, so now I have to go for one of my uh, second or third choices just to just to vary it because yeah. he is more than John McClane. Yeah. So let's see. My Bruce Willis favorite, I guess I'm gonna have to go with Looper. I loved his uh, his movie of really Ryan good Johnson. Yeah, um, that was an awesome kind of genre bending sci fi thriller. I thought he was great in it. I'm not sure that Joseph Gordon-Levitt really looks like a younger version of him, but I thought the movie was badass as hell. And honestly, probably one of the last great Bruce Willis movies going back to 2012 now, you know. But I feel like that's one of the last times where, like, to me, he was at the top of his powers. So, um, yep, uh, Bruce, enjoy retirement uh, hopefully they figure out a cure for this aphasia stuff and, uh, we can get you back in front of the camera making magic again, but, uh, just wanted to kind of send that out there and acknowledge Bruce Willis's impending retirement, but, um, yes. all right. So before we get, you know, we're going to do a, uh, uh, some reactions to the first episode of moon Knight, and then we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. But before we do, we're going to listen, we're going to drop in on one listener topic. Because Tabo Borrego sent over an email to thefanboypodcast podcast at gmail.com. And he had a question that I feel like will be right up Brett's alley. And it is about the recent consolidation of PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Uh, so Brett, why don't you discuss whether or not what you think about the merger of those two services and whether or not it's worth it.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I'll I'll try to keep it quick here. So, basically, they've split PlayStation Plus uh, and PlayStation Now. They've kind of merged them. They've made it into three tiers now. So, the regular tier that everyone basically has now at PlayStation Plus, it gives you the cloud uh, cloud saves. It gives you online multiplayer. You get your two games per month. That is now called PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Plus. I can't talk today. PlayStation Plus. <laughs> Don't Essential. worry. Uh, yeah. Too many S's altogether. Um So that is called PlayStation Plus Essential now. So that's no change in, in the cost. It's it's the same service that you, you most likely have already. Um, then they made PlayStation Plus Extra. Basically what this does is it gives you everything from the Essential tier. And it adds a catalog of up to 400 of what they call the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games. <laughs> um no uh list uh yet on what all those games are though well you know let's let's keep going uh that's yeah. kind of one of the parts that is not exciting me too much um and then we have finally PlayStation Plus premium which this really brings in the PlayStation Now portion um of the service so that gives an additional 340 games on top of the 400 um so PS3 games are available only via cloud streaming though because the PlayStation 3 famously used something called cell architecture, and it's really hard to develop for, and apparently very difficult to emulate. Um, hobbyists have made it work, and there are people that like have emulators on PCs that are able to run PS3 games. It just, to me, doesn't seem like Sony seems interested in making that investment. Um, it also adds a catalog of games from the original PlayStation, the PS2, and the PSP. Uh, It will not add anything from the Vita because the Vita used a lot of touch controls. And that's another thing that I have a feeling PlayStation does not want to spend money trying to solve uh, that issue on a controller. So that's basically uh, the new breakdown for me. Is it worth it? Um, I will not be upgrading. I will be keeping my PlayStation Plus essential. Um, The reason for me, um, and this may be a lot of people, people out there. I personally do not have a great affinity for the original PlayStation 1, PS2, or PS3. I did not own those consoles, so I don't really have any nostalgia there. Mm -hmm. And honestly, every time I go back to some of these really old games... They 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 just don't hold up well. They don't. Um, if if I I'm sure if there was a game that I really loved, um, I would love you know like I would dip in. But there's just nothing from that catalog that I'm like oh I really missed out. Especially ones that they haven't already like made a re release or remaster mm-hmm. of, and I can play in a much better form. Um, I like it for the fact that it helps with video game preservation, kind of, um, or at least giving us a fair way to access those uh, titles without like doing like jumping through hoops or doing something crazy illegal. Um, but from that sense, I don't find it valuable to me. Um, the other thing, and, and this is something they came out pretty much right away and said, unlike Game Pass, where Microsoft is basically bringing out their first party, like A games, day one and date on Xbox Game Pass – Sony's not going to do that. Uh, they just think it's going to hurt the quality of their games. They want you to pay the $70 for the new God of War. They want you to pay the $70 for like, the Last of Us remake that is rumored to be in development. Uh, they want you to pay that. And listen, I love Sony first-party titles. I am happy, personally, to go buy those games outright. My PlayStation is mainly... I, I mainly have that system to play the PlayStation exclusives and mm-hmm. some of like the higher-tier AAA third-party games. Um, now as a, someone who is what I like to call platform agnostic, I have, I have switch, I have Xbox series S and I have PS5. Um, I'm blessed in that. And to be able to have all those consoles, I have Xbox game pass. And for me, there's a great value there because of amazing indie titles that I get like tunic. And, um, I'm playing another one called infernax right now, which is basically like, um, a new, a new old school retro style, uh, Castlevania game essentially. Uh, so i get stuff like that but i'm also now with microsoft's new acquisitions um you know i get things like halo infinite which i played through it was awesome i'm gonna get bethesda's starfield which is coming out this fall and is slated to be the big game of the fall so i'm getting those all day one day and date on that console and uh, i pay you know i think 25 a month because it includes xbox gold so to now to add another subscription service Um, which, you know, that middle tier with the PS4, PS5 games, which is the only thing I'd be interested in another $18 a month. I just don't think I can swing it. And to be fair, they're adding PS4 and PS5 games. I was a PS4 owner. I played all the games on PS4 that I wanted to play. So pretty much they're going to just probably slap those games. Like they've, I think they did throw out a few things. Like I think maybe God of War Ragnarok, uh, not Ragnarok. That's the new one. The first one got the new God of War reboot is going to be on there played it already the original horizon zero dawn played it already uh last of us part two played it already um so all that stuff's already going to be on there and then ps5 the console just came out there are not too many games out and the ones that i heard they're going to throw on there i've already played and beaten uh miles uh spider-man miles morales and um i don't know there was another one but so for me it's just like you're not really offering me anything that i haven't played already and i and The fact that you're not going to give the first-party titles day and date, it just does not justify the cost for me. Um, I know they're going to have third-party titles. and I'm sure they'll get indie titles on there as well, uh, just like Xbox. But it's like I already have the Game Pass. So for me, my verdict is if you don't care about Xbox or you don't have Game Pass, it might be valuable to you. I think this really benefits the lapsed gamer. If you're a gamer who missed the PS4 generation mm, or just doesn't have a yeah. lot of time for gaming to miss those big titles, um, this might be for you because this might be a thing where you maybe sign up for a couple of months, and if you can like buzz through a bunch of games, it'll definitely you know be worth it. You know, you'll definitely get your money's worth. But um, I think for people that have other subscriptions, there's just more value there. So uh, that that's my verdict. I, I don't know that it's worth it unless you haven't played yeah. all the great games. Also, I should throw in lastly. If you were lucky enough to get a PS5, they do give you access to the PlayStation Plus collection. So I basically have like 30 of the best games from PS4 <laughs> um, just from getting my PS5. And I, and that's like all of, honestly, it's it's all of the really good ones and the really good Sony first party titles. So it's like, I don't understand like what else they're going to offer me on this that I don't now have with that little collection. So there, you go. Uh, there it is, guys. I, I, I it, it sure is a thing.
0: It sure is a thing. And it if you sure the thing that have you a question do. about a thing that matters to you, be sure to send it to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. All right. So just some quick uh, reactions. You know, the, uh, Marvel gave us a new series this week over on the Disney plus moon night starring Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawk made its world premiere. And, uh, we've both watched the first episode. So, yes. uh, let, let me kind of just let me let, let, I'm gonna actually start this time because uh well I went into this totally cold. I know dick about Moon Knight. Okay. I, I I've seen pictures of him. I've heard people gush about how cool he is. I've heard people say, Oh, he's like Marvel's Batman. But I'm like, but he has it looks like he's got some supernatural stuff going on, and Batman is just a dude in a suit, so I don't get that. But um you know, I really like he's just someone I've had like a, a passing glancing connection to. Same here, So same I here. went into this. Yeah, I went into this totally cold, not knowing what a Moon Knight story should even be like or what his origin is or what like the staples or the, the main things I should be looking for. I just went into this completely cold. Just let's see what the hell a Moon Knight is. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I got to tell you. If I if we weren't covering this stuff, I probably wouldn't continue. Uh, I thought, listen, I like Oscar Isaac; I'll watch him in anything. I like, I love Ethan Hawke; I'll watch him in anything. But something about that pilot and like what the what they did show, I don't know, man. The tone to me was all over the place. There was a lot of stuff that was very kind of goofy, cringy, Marvel type lighthearted stuff but then you're dealing with some of this like epic classic mythological stuff and there's all these unanswered questions and i i know like they're trying to get me to want to find the answers but instead i was just kind of like i just had a hard time locking in and giving a damn so yeah honestly through through the first episode of moon Knight, i'm not terribly impressed I'm happy to see Oscar Isaac getting work and Ethan Hawke getting that nice Disney check. I'm sure he's getting now, but there's nothing about the show that has me dying for episode two. Uh, but how about you, Brett?
1: Yeah. So for, for me, like I said, uh, same here. I have very passive knowledge of Moon Knight. I have like kind of just like the basic idea. Um, I, I Oscar Isaac is the big draw for me. I love Oscar Isaac. I, yeah. Like just, like that, I'll watch. I'll watch him stare at a wall. Um, he's a great <laughs> actor, and I find him charming. So uh, that was the big draw for me. This episode, like for me, I'm gonna give it like a seven out of ten. So okay. I think probably a higher review than maybe you would give it, but I'm not yeah. gonna give it like this glowing review. So a um, couple of cool things. I did like. Um. I, I for one, am intrigued to see it keep going. So I, yeah. I, 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 do want to keep watching. I like that the way the show even starts out. Um, it's not quite, I guess you could call it an origin story, but it's very clear that uh, some crazy crap's already been going on. Yeah. from the from the onset, which they I just like. That they a, just, yeah, yeah, they kind of just <laughs> put it right into it and yeah. um so that was intriguing i was like why has he chained himself why does he tape his door why does he have sand around his bed so yeah. that, that was that was kind of interesting um some of the some of the the stuff got a little maybe hokey with the voice I, I i think there's something not clicking with me like they got a great actor they got f murray abraham uh to be um i think Love the voice of uh, the god that is like possessing yeah. um steven slash mark um but there was something wasn't clicking with me about it. Like, I don't know if it was just his voice yeah. with the tone of it, that that was kind of a little off, but I was like, okay, I'm with it. And then, you know, finally by the end, we get to see Oscar Isaac, you know, basically playing opposite himself as Mark. And he just seems more like angry Oscar Isaac. And uh, that's great. I like without, the accent, accent, yeah. without yeah. the accent, which I've also, the accents weird and kooky, but um, supposedly he has said that there is a reason that the accent sounds kind of shoddy. So oh, it's really? not—he's—it's not because he's not good at doing a British accent, unless that's just an excuse. But yeah, yeah, yeah. um just supposedly combat, there's yeah. something behind that. Okay. Um, I mean,
0: honestly, I think he sounds good. I think he sounds like he be- he belongs in Ted Lasso. You know, to yeah. me, uh yeah, like to me, he sounded like he could be on the coaching staff with Ted Lasso. A, li- there, a little bro.
1: cartoony, almost though it sounds. But uh, I'm hoping, yeah, yeah, like I you mean, said, there is something that goes uh, that explains yeah. why that voice is. But um, you know, they had some cool action sequences. Um, I, I like kind of, uh, how they're depicting, like, basically we're, we're kind of just seeing the aftermath of everything. Like he's having these yeah. blackouts. I thought that was actually a cool element. I really like that. We did finally get to see him in the suit at the end. Very, very briefly. Very I briefly. wish there was a little more of him in the suit in the first episode, but I guess but that's the point, right? Yeah. It, 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 got me enough, but yeah, it was, it was a seven out of 10. Uh, I'm going to give it a benefit of the doubt because it was the pilot, um, you know, just to shout out to like a friend of the show and and someone that uh, I've uh met on Twitter and, and played Smash Brothers with 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 uh, our boy, Isaac, uh, Michael Thomas, uh, at novice cinephile. He actually, uh, did get to see the first four episodes and has a nice little, uh, preview up on YouTube. So check him out uh, at novice cinephile. And I think it's novice cinephile on YouTube as well, but he, uh, I watched his little like preview of, uh, the first four episodes and he got me hyped for this. Um, so <laughs> I- I'm really hoping that, uh, he is correct. And, uh, the next, you know, Few episodes are really going to turn it around for me it is only i think a six part miniseries i think only okay. six episodes so it shouldn't overstay its welcome so i'm hoping it really hits the ground running um and like i said i, I appreciated that they kind of really like started off like at a pretty quick pace and and i think they'll just kind of catch us up as we go along and yeah. they didn't have to spend too much time uh rooting around and yeah. like like origin uh, so well, there's gonna be flashback stuff i'm sure for sure
0: Yeah, for me, so for me, if I had to rate it, it's like a 5 out of 10. It stated its case. I'll give it that much credit, but I wasn't really buying what it was selling. I will check out the upcoming episodes just to see how things develop, and hopefully uh, Michael uh, is right about that. And honestly, we're going to need something to watch because the next show we're about to talk about is going on another – freaking break until april 26th so we're gonna have a few weeks with no superman and lois so bring on the moon night and hopefully it's ever elevating levels of quality but for now let's go ahead and talk about that superman and lois episode we got before this latest hiatus that would be season two episode nine so uh this time i'll open the floor to you how did you enjoy this most recent episode uh, were there any moments that stood out to you as awesome or terrible? Yeah.
1: I, I really enjoyed, uh, this episode. Um, it was, uh, pretty much a Superman list episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he took a, a back seat. Um, and they, they spent a <laughs> lot of time on the kids, uh, this episode, uh, a lot of time, maybe too much time. Um, again, <laughs> it, I, you know, I, I, I know like last week too, I was saying I love all the family stuff and I do. And I love the stuff between uh, Jonathan and Jordan. um, But you know, the stuff with Sarah and this week with um, Natalie. Yeah. Yeah. Nat. Um, That stuff just like it kind of dragged it down and it's, I'm not the target audience for that part of the drama. Um, Uh Poor poor Kyle, poor Kyle, man. He's just getting beat up and, and, and burnt and, and, and on fire. And divorced and and all these things. It's just like he really – he's getting just beat up on. So there was that part I was like not wild about. But it did give us time, uh, you know, some other characters, uh, time to shine this episode. Um, So we got to see Jordan really start using some of his powers and kicking some butt. And that was really cool. And uh, if I may jump to the end, really cool little reveal uh, as other bizarro Jordan – uh no sorry Bizarro Jonathan uh coming in but what was really cool basically wearing the the Superboy outfit the red pants the leather jacket
0: so yeah. I
1: was like that's really cool um because it's and- the reverse so over there he's the one with the powers I imagine yeah so that that's uh that was a cool little twist and yeah so I I think uh I'm really and you know they, we got a, a another little shot of of Clark um um. Uh, at the end, like a quick one of him. So uh, obviously I, I think we'll get back to what's going on with him next episode, which of course is like, I, what I think we all want to see. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will mention too, though, is while he is uh, flying into the portal, we see like his suit start to like strip away a little yeah. bit. I wonder if we're going to get a new suit. Ooh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And you that know how I feel about awesome. the suit. It's not my favorite. So yeah. I kind of, hope we do, <laughs> but anyway, yeah,
0: I mean, by would the you... way, it's such a shame yeah. by the way that like, these suits they can't do a good enough job of just showing how jacked he actually is. You know, all, all these action heroes they put on so much, you know, they they put so much effort into getting these superhero physiques, but then they still have to wear the muscle suits. You know, Henry Cavill dealt with that. Ben Affleck. Yeah, I don't dealt get with why that. they
1: need to have the goose suit. Like, just like he, it's fine, I'll believe it. Like, you're you're telling me this man flies, shoots leaves out of his eyes. Like, his arms don't have to be so freaking big. Like, they're yeah. they're big enough. I get it. He's super. Yeah. but like there was an episode jordan all like little like scrawny and he's (laughs) knocking dudes out like how come that's fine how come he doesn't wear a goose suit i don't get it
0: but i feel like tyler made them shoot him shirtless three episodes ago just to like listen look at me okay i work out a lot all right don't (laughs) it's not just (laughs) the suit remember there was like a completely obligatory for no particular reason here's clark without a shirt talking to lois looking ripped and it's like you're totally trying to prove a point but that's the thing he he doesn't need the extra padding i think it comes down to they want a suit that can disguise the flying rig without changing his proportions too much i think that's the main thing since they do tend to do lots of like practical stuff where he is floating on cables they figure if he's wearing something that's super skin tight you're going to see the harness so we have to kind of bulk up the suit so that it disguises the harness but it ends up just kind of looking like he's wearing a suit that's padded and too big for him which is just a shame but for me what wasn't a shame was the start of this episode to me the rest of the show could have been dog shit but after the first two minutes i was so excited that no matter what i was in because that you know when he goes to try to stop Allie from going through the portal and he gets there and she's too late and the hench woman is standing outside and she's like, not even you can do it. Superman, not dressed like that. And he basically just like looks at her and is like, hold my beer. And he does that crazy like tornado and builds up the crazy G force and speed so that he could do it. Like that is some Superman shit. And I love that. It was a little bit like, you know, Like, oh, yeah, you know, not even I could do it. Watch me. Yeah. And yeah, this is what Superman does. How dare you? How dare you doubt that Superman can do this? You know, so to me, when he broke through that barrier and he disappears into that, you know, portal and then the, you know, we fade to black and the S comes out on the screen. I literally in my in my living room said, oh, shit. Like I was so like that was, that and then was the, just
1: one month later.
0: Yeah. And then we so also, yeah. Started. Like there was like a
1: little jump. Yeah, like, I do I'm gone. sitting there like, whoa, he's what's missing.
0: going on? Yeah. He oh. went to the place. He's been gone a month now. And oh, now steel has risen up in his place trying to do Superman level saves and being there when we you know when, when Superman can't. And by the way, that like. The the, the the fear, by the way, before we knew that Steel had suddenly started helping out, they show this shot of a flaming airplane plummeting towards a city. And I don't know about you, but I felt so much hopelessness knowing, like, Superman can't save the day. Well, there were a we're couple in a of world shots
1: like that on the TV. There was, like, an oil rig on fire. There was yeah. another – like, you just saw the desperation, like, where is Superman? Yeah. And then You realize, like, wow, they de- – we depend on him so much yeah. and like, wow, like what a burden this guy has. Holy I know, um, like I know. That, He's that got a really money hit and, me. Yeah, yeah it really it hit really, me. Um, so I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Watching that plane bear down on the city and I was basically bracing for impact. I'm like, wow, they're about to show us what happens when there isn't a Superman to clean up our messes and to fix us out, you know, get us out of these crises. Yeah. And then all of a sudden steel shows up and he fixes it. I'm like, oh, okay. I love the idea that Steel is in his place because in the comics, it happens because of the death of Superman. Yes, you know, and Superman seemingly dead, Steel rises up to be, you know, to, to, to fill that void. And now it's a sl- it's a different context. He's not dead; he's just missing in this alternate world. But Steel still feels that sense of I need to rise up and fill that void. So I loved the way that whole thing was written, the way it sort of inverts the mythology and kind of updates it a little bit and. You know, I I, I I adored all that. And then when Jordan goes into the firehouse, you know, in, into the fire situation, and he rescues Kyle and he's looking around because he doesn't know where to go and he sees the window and he suddenly flies towards the window and it's the first time he flies and it looks amazing. It's in slow-mo. His arm is straight. He's holding him. He's like... We just saw the birth of Superboy, okay? <laughs> I flipped out. So to me like in those you know, in in the early moments of this episode, you know, in the beginning portions of this, I just about lost my mind as a Superman fan. Between the awesome Superman moment before the credit thing and then getting to see Jordan, I mean, yeah, Jordan rise up to be that hero in that moment and look all Superman like while doing it, I just felt all the feels ever and um yeah so yeah to me like there was very little that they could have done at like that that they could have done after that you know to mess it up for me um and then just a little subtle things too you know the the, there's a there was a scene when they're basically establishing that he's been gone for a month where you see jonathan at the store and candace is coming to visit and he puts on a happy face he smiles at her and whatever and it made me Think about that character aspect of this too. the world knows Superman is missing, but no one knows your dad is missing because you can't. Yeah. And so he can't be moping about Superman being gone. And he also probably can't call too much attention to the fact that Clark's not here. So he has to both the sons, all of them have to act like everything's fine.
1: Yeah. The burden on, on their family, you know, like,
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was a subtle little thing, but I feel like, you know, the, the 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 series accounts for all of these little things. It really gets what it would be like to be Superman and to yeah. be in his inner circle and to be And that's how
1: you tell a Superman story, right? Like these that's- are the things that we always say yeah. that like everyone's afraid of or thinks is boring, but yeah, like we can have him punch stuff all day, but the interesting way to challenge him is show how it trying to live here on this planet while being Superman affects him and how it affects the ones he loves. Like, Yeah. And And how he balances out all those relationships and how he doesn't conflict. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's (laughs) phenomenal. And, and, and and I still love like every episode continues to prove this point to me that everyone talks it out. It's amazing to me. Like there's things that like in, uh, in lesser shows would be weeks and weeks of fodder. Like, for example, after Jordan does the save, right, Jonathan confronts him in the kitchen about it. And he's, you know, at first it seems like maybe he's going to give him a hard time or whatever. But it all boils down to you got to tell mom. Would you rather she finds out from Steele or from you? You know, and, and that makes sense. And the fact that like, yeah, then they ended up having that conversation right then and there talking about this. That could have been weeks and weeks of stupid melodrama of Jordan is off doing things in secret and Jonathan's keeping it on the low for him and Lois is worried and what's going on. Instead, it happens, bing, bang, boom, because everyone actually talks about what's going on. Like you know that thing where you're watching a TV show and you're like this entire conflict would be nil if this character just told that character why they're doing this. This is all <laughs> contrived drama. This is all nobody, you know, like what just say what's going on. And in Superman and Lois, they tend to always say what's going on and the characters all offer each other like great advice and support and understanding. And things that in like lesser, crappier CW Arrowverse type shows might have been turned into some no, you know, soap opera fluff subplot to round out the 22 yeah. episode season. Here, it's like no, the 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 characters actually hash stuff out and solve yeah. things and help each other out. Everyone is kind of yeah. I just I I, I I can't say enough good things about the fact that. Just all the writing and the way the characterizations work, that everyone just talks through their stuff, and it's not just
1: stupid teen melodrama. Um, yeah. I love the moment, by the way, like the moment you were just talking about where Jordan and Jonathan talk, but when when Jordan tells me, he's like, yo, I flew. And he's like, you flew. <laughs> like you so He's like, I didn't go that far, but I, I did <laughs> Yeah. And then even at the end where
0: where, where where Jonathan's walking away and he's a little upset about it. I forget how the scene resolves. He's a little, you know, there's something he's anxious about. But as he's picking up his backpack, he walks away. He's like, congrats on flying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just very nonchalant, but, you know, and he is happy for him. He's not resentful of it. You know, he really, they have that brother love.
1: I love that. I have Um, a question. Go for it. I have a Superman related question. And there's something in this episode made me think of it. So um, it was in the beginning. It was like uh, when when Clark, you know, heard that, heard Allie going into the portal. So then he he zips away. So it looks like Lois was sleeping in bed and he was in bed too, but it looked like he was awake. And it made me think, does Superman sleep? Like, does he need to sleep? Does he get tired? Or no, does he just stay up all night like a weirdo in bed and just like, I don't know what he does. Yeah, like, I mean. In the comics, it, does he go to bed? Does he sleep? Does he does he need, need to? Or does he just do it just to do it? I. It's not something that
0: gets very directly <laughs> addressed ever. I can't answer you directly on that because, yeah, they. I don't think he has to sleep, but I think he, you know, might. Do it. (laughs) I don't know, but I don't think I don't think he has to sleep. I think in theory he'd be going around breaking night doing saves in the middle of the night while Lois is sleeping. But uh, but yeah, that 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 is a pretty good question. If anyone watching knows a more accurate, you know, an answer for Brett about whether or not Superman sleeps, please lay it on me because that's uh, I've never had that uh, addressed in any meaningful way.
1: But does he have
0: to eat? And he drinks wine on the show. He does all kinds of things. Yeah, but we all know that like.
1: Superman can't get drunk unless yeah. he gives up his powers at the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> and then you can go get drunk and be angry five o'clock shadow Superman. There like, you go. What, that's Superman 3? That's Superman 3.
0: Richard Pryor. Yeah. You know it. Um, but one thing, something else that I loved about this episode was also Jordan uh undoubtedly has his father's moral compass, his sense of what's right and wrong. And this feeling of, I have these powers. It's my responsibility to do something about it. And yeah, he gets a little testy with his mom and that leads to some conflict. And you know, they even work that out more or less. But I love that. I, I loved seeing that he has his father's sense of right and like he can't just sit idly by. That's always been the thing about Superman, about Clark, where like Jonathan, his father, is always trying to keep, get him to keep a low profile and, and you know, the, the world might be scared of you if they knew what you did and all that sort of stuff. Right. But eventually he just has to because he feels a responsibility that if I have these abilities and I'm not helping people, then I'm the reason they're hurt you know yeah. and you could tell jordan has some of that too that he feels this responsibility and i just love how much that came through and even also on the on the subject of like talking it out like a a a one-dimensional character who i've hated for most of this season in the span of one little monologue suddenly now i have a lot more respect and i'm talking about jonathan's girlfriend candace because Perfect. When she made that point clear about the desperate position she's in, that her father's sick, her whole life they've moved from town to town, they're constantly uprooting because things are in disarray, and now he's having health issues and they can't afford to pay for his medicine, then it suddenly makes you understand why someone might be desperate enough to sell drugs. You know what I mean? It's suddenly, you know, I love it. The show puts you in that position to suddenly have to put and think like, you know what? What would I do if I were in that position? Maybe she's not all bad. You know, if she's doing this to protect her father and if she's doing this because she loves living in Smallville and doesn't want to have to move away again and uproot her life again. And this is the desperate situation she's in because, you know, the 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 the, the, the subtext. I think was kind of a shot at the American healthcare system too, that we have a system now where people get punished if they get sick, you know, you lose your life savings. You can end up destitute if you, right. you know, if you have a bad run of health. So that's where you get people who end up in these desperate situations. And that's where it leads to things like the opioid crisis, because now they can't afford the medicines. So now they have to go get cheap knockoffs and they get stuck on these evil pills or they get, you know, or on uh, other things yeah. to me it was like it was all like a subtle way of addressing that and i love it the show kind of goes there i love that she mentioned that we you know he's sick and we can't afford to take care of him because isn't it absurd by the way that in the richest country in the world we have a situation where people can just basically lose their entire livelihoods because they happen to get sick you know so i love that that went there i love that they humanized candace and um. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, all Smallville all-
1: is Middle America. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, the, that, the issues like that do happen in Middle mm-hmm. America. You know, like we live in on the East Coast, uh, and we live in like the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. We live, we live there. So like, it is very different. And like, I like that they really, the fact that they live in Smallville, they really yes. like vested time and effort in writing Smallville as like this small suffering town in middle america i mean that was like literally the whole first season was about that but like that is true to life for a lot of people in the middle of the country um i'm so glad you
0: said that though yeah because it and it shows us a slice of america that superman has never really tackled on screen a lot of times by the time we follow his adventures, he's in metropolis yeah yeah like the only smallville stuff we really see is is you know idyllic flashback teenage stuff when things were it was a simpler time. We've never seen a Smallville in a contemporary setting how it how things would be going in today's America in a town like Smallville and all yeah. the different little you know hot button issues that come up so I just to me the show continues to just be masterfully written. I love the characterizations. I know that there wasn't a lot of Superman this week but I have a feeling too like, they did a lot of heavy lifting on the emo- on the interpersonal arcs of all the humans around him, right? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that is to set up what's going to happen in these next five or six final episodes of the season, sure. from 10 through 15. They probably know that, you know, we have to get everyone fully invested wanna in where all these characters are because we're going to be go, go, go after this hiatus. Because I kind of get the sense they're going to be, you know, because they've already shown the next week or whatever on, you know, next time on Superman and Lois. And we're going to finally see that bizarro world that we've been. Remember we were talking about that last week. I want to know yeah. what the hell she's talking about. What is this alternate world? And we, you know, we, we see some glimpses in that preview and it does seem like things are going to get a little crazier, a little trippier with another. We're going to see a third version of Lois, right? There's the one that died. That's Nat's mother. There's the one we know on this earth. And then there's apparently another one in this bizarro world. And we're going to see the other Lana Lang. And we're going to see the other. You know, like I have a feeling the reason that they spent so much time on this stuff here is because from this point on, now we're heading towards the big finale. Now we're going to start building that. So we have to have all these other characters where they need to be to now play their part in that finale, you know? Yeah. So, listen, I'm I'm still loving the ride. I uh, I'm super annoyed that I have to wait until April 26th, which is my yeah. mother's birthday. What's up with all these things happening on birthdays that are important in my life? But, yes, yeah, so I have to wait until mom's birthday, April 26th. To see uh, what happens next here. But I am. I'm hooked man. I am hooked. So um, hopefully folks. You are hooked on the fanboy podcast. And you've enjoyed episode 143. And uh, hopefully you're going to take the time. To rate and review. And like it. And share it. And tell all your friends. About this wonderful show that you're checking out. And uh, Brett. Do you have any closing words. For our lovely watchers, listeners, audience members.
1: No, just as always, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for for letting us uh, you know, continue to do this, uh, make it worthwhile uh for you guys to listen and watch. And uh yeah, make sure you subscribe, uh turn on the notifications, and you know, don't forget um I know we have a very heavy audio uh only uh listener base. Don't forget, we are on YouTube. The full episode is there every week, When we same time when we launch the audio version of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then um, over the course of the following week, after the weekend, um, I break out uh, all the topics into individual episodes and we release like anywhere from two to three topics a day leading up to the next episode. So you can also uh, digest the show that way in smaller bites. Uh, but as always, really appreciate all the support you guys give us. This is uh, yep. a highlight of my week every week. So thank you
0: and we are not taking a break until april 26th. we will be That's back true. next friday. so until next week, life is chaos. be kind. adios. It's all over.